0: So a way
1: Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From this undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reid.
2: We know that American history has not always been a fairy tale. From the start, been a constant push and pull for more than 240 years between the best of us, the American ideal that we're all created equal, and the worst of us, a harsh reality that racism has long torn us apart. It's a battle that's never really over. But on the best days, enough of us have the guts and the hearts to stand up for the best in us. To choose love over hate, unity over disunion, progress over retreat. To stand up against the poison of white supremacy, as I did my inaugural address to single out as the most dangerous terrorist threat to our homeland, is white supremacy. say this because i'm of a black hbcu i say it wherever i go to stand up for truth over lies lies told for power and profit to confront the ongoing assault to subvert our elections suppress our right to vote
3: the president yesterday uh at his commencement address uh, for the howard university graduates called white supremacy uh, the the major domestic
4: terror threat in this country. Is that correct? Uh, It tragically is. You know, um, in the terrorism context, domestic violent extremism is uh, our greatest threat uh, right now.
5: America
2: requires so much more than words It requires the most elusive of all things in a democracy. Unity. Unity. With unity, we can do great things. I know speaking of unity can sound to some like a foolish fantasy these days. For without unity, there is no peace, only bitterness and fury. Unity, not division.
6: People.
1: Emily. Yeah, I think his commitment to unity lasted the end of that sentence because we've seen nothing mm-hmm. but divisiveness and exactly the kind of stoking and incendiary rhetoric coming from him this entire time. I thought that speech was fantastically degrading. It is so degrading to paint a portrait for based on an assumption of the box checked by everyone sitting there and their families, and essentially that yes. there is apparently zero drop of anything else impacting those families that the most important thing facing them is this enemy and that that will somehow define their trajectory, define their existence by the existence of something else. I know when I graduated college in my commencement speech, I was looking for inspiration. I would think for my president, I would be looking for policy. I would want to know exactly how my community could be lifted up, how that tide rises to lift up all boats, the kind of things where when I walk out of there, I feel more educated, more inspired, more equipped for my divine assignment. Instead, after that, I would feel victimized. I would feel afraid. I would I would feel judgmental and critical of my neighbor based on a box they checked. This commander in chief is anything but a unifier. And,
5: and welcome back to Flower Politic podcast. It is the 16th of May, year of our Lord 2023. Whenever they're in trouble, whenever things going bad, when the polls don't work the way they are, they just or the way they want, what do they go to? You're all a racist. I don't care what anybody fucking says. Do you not think that Patriot Front had something to do with this speech? Does anybody believe anything anymore? I mean, they were already doing this to Northam's competitor. Uh, What's that guy that won Virginia? They came out and fake shit to make it look like a bunch of racists because they need racism. Racism is their elixir to get people to do what they want because inherently they have been rigging everything since day one with the media and it starts with the reality dawning on them summer 2016 we get polls by the media and those polls are propaganda if you look at Biden you look at Um, Trump's election, Obama. If you're old enough, you can go back to W. Bush. And no time is a Republican ever going to win. They're always down by major numbers. And they're always talking about the educated voter. Because you bumpkins are idiots. And you can't sway an election. But you actually are the people that sway elections. There's more of us than them. And during that, they know on their internals that they're not going to win. Wisconsin is not going the way they need it. And there is a meeting on a tarmac that conservative media goes over, and it's A.G. Lynch with Bill Clinton. The media pretends to care, and they pretend to cover it, but they don't. And we, It's like the Las Vegas shooting, just like all the shootings of late that have been left leaning, just like the manifesto of a Nashville, just like Waukesha. We don't know anything about that meeting. Until the Durham report. Now we know.
7: Regardless, the report is now here. It has dropped. And it might not have produced everything of what some Republicans hoped for. It, it is regardless devastating to the FBI. And to a degree, it does exonerate Donald Trump. Durham finally released his report finding that the FBI, in his view, should have never launched a full investigation uh, into possible connections between Donald Trump, his campaign, his advisors and, and uh, allies, and Russia during the 2016 election. Let's bring in CNN senior justice correspondent Evan President. Evan, had this report... Uh, It's more than 300 uh, pages uh, long. He spent about four years on it. Uh, What else did he have to find?
8: Well, Jake, the bottom line uh, that uh, John Durham finds is that, uh, you know, there was reason for the FBI to at least do some preliminary investigations, some uh, lower-level types of investigations. Uh, But he uh, repeatedly says that he doesn't believe that the FBI took into account a lot of uh, information that was that they had in their possession.
7: That was exculpatory. That
8: would have, that would have been exculpatory. Yeah, that yeah. would have explained some of their suspicions that they have had about Donald Trump, about some of the people uh, surrounding his campaign. Of course, we know that you know, there was plenty of suspicion, in part because the former president brought on a, uh, a person, uh, in Paul Manafort, as his campaign chairman, who was deeply indebted to a Russian oligarch, somebody who was very close to the Kremlin. That is just one of the many uh, points of data points that the FBI was following up on in why they did this investigation. And the bottom line, he says, is that uh, you know the, the evidence gathered in the multiple, exhaustive, and costly federal investigations of these matters, including the the instant investigation, neither U.S. law enforcement nor the intelligence community appears to have possessed any actual evidence of collusion in their holdings uh, at the commencement of the, uh, the Crossfire Hurricane investigation. He's saying, look, th- he spent four years looking at this. He investigated a lot of different things. The FBI made a lot of mistakes. I'll read you just a statement right now we just got from uh, from FBI uh, Director Chris Ray, who says that there's made they've made a lot of reforms at the FBI. And he says, had these reforms been in place in 2016, the missteps identified in this report could have been prevented and uh, he notes that a lot of this uh these th- these mistakes happened uh before Chris Ray became FBI director
7: a lot of people who follow uh, law enforcement might not be surprised uh that in general sometimes there is an overzealousness right. and and, and- an effort to...
8: Confirmation to, bias is what Durham calls it.
7: Yeah, confirmation bias. Not it,
8: political bias. It doesn't only
7: happen with presidential candidates and presidents, though. It happens with, you know...
8: To the little guys.
7: To the little guys on the street, right. and they don't get uh, four-year multimillion-dollar investigations to exonerate them. Right. But um, you know, it's good to have accountability. Evan Perez, thanks so much. Let's bring in uh, Adam Kinzinger, former Republican congressman from Illinois. Uh, let's start with your reaction to the, to the Durham report. On, on first blush, I mean, there's nothing, no, no criminality uh, that he found, uh, but pretty damning for the FBI.
9: Yeah, it is. I mean, I think you guys hit it on the head when you talked about confirmation bias. I mean, we went into 2016. You, this is the first presidential candidate, at least in my lifetime, that had expressed sympathy for Vladimir Putin. You had the Paul Manafort issues. You had, remember, at the Republican uh, convention, they pulled out support for Ukraine out of the platform there. So I think a lot of people were looking, going, what's going on here? And including myself, we had some real concerns with you know the sympathy that the former president, frankly still has for vladimir putin but that shouldn't govern what the fbi does the fbi should not allow their either bias on that or whatever to come to fruition and hopefully uh this report by the independent council will change things at the fbi hopefully some stuff has already been implemented we want to make sure no matter if somebody's on the left right or in the center that everybody and by the way this includes the former president on january 6th everybody is treated equal under the law
7: yeah i mean when the when the Text messages came out between Peter Strzok and Lisa Page. Uh, it was pretty shocking, not that two people in law enforcement would not like Donald Trump, uh, but that they were part of the investigation. Uh, and it seems that, that uh, their emotions, they, they weren't able to even control the fact that they were saying very inappropriate things about somebody that they were investigating.
9: Yeah. And I think that was pretty damning. You know, again, I mean, we're not asking law enforcement or even DOJ officials to not have a political opinion. You get to vote every couple of years and, you know, that's your duty as a citizen. It's good that they do. But when it comes to the enforcement of the law, when it comes to whether you should have. And again, when you launch an investigation on a presidential campaign, that's not a small feat. That's a big deal. And that has real potential to uh, to disrupt politics, as we've seen it really has. I mean, a lot of folks on the uh, in the Trump camp have been claiming that this has been a witch hunt. I don't think this actually rises to the level of witch hunt, but this today kind of gives them a little credence on that. I think, you know, this uh, this report appears to be, I haven't read the 300 pages, but appears to be kind of in the middle ground between it. it wasn't truly a witch hunt, but also there were some real issues here. So I think each side can kind of take what they want from it. But I hope we take from this, everybody needs to be treated equally under the law, whether you agree with a person's politics or not, because this is America and it's the only thing that keeps democracy upright and surviving is that knowledge that we all get treated equal. Yeah, so
7: people, we should remind people, the Mueller investigation, uh, it outlined a number of contacts and, and issues uh, between uh, Trump and his allies and, and Russia uh, that were odd, uh, but did not conclude that there was a conspiracy, that a prosecutable conspiracy. Um, but they yeah, did. But they. But they did. They, they, they did note a number of attempts to uh, interfere and obstruct justice.
5: Yeah, that's right. And and so that whole thing. I mean, obviously. Now I doubled up that because that's what he says. And then I know it was a long soundbite. But the one with Tapper or with uh, Kinzinger shows that he curbs it because of he's a liberal. He can't you know, incite it. But are you surprised? This is how we're covering the border. We're going to cover it later, but I just couldn't get past. They lessen everything. This is now just getting into circulation. Years after Washington Post writer Philip Bump let the cat out of the bag on Zuckerbucks for Democrat turnout. They do this because they want to say they're unbiased, but it's a byline, not the headline. This report, neither the U.S. nor the intelligent community appear to have possessed any actual evidence of collusion in their holdings at the commencement of crossfire hurricane. As obtained, FBI records prepared by Peter Zork in February and March 2017, so that at the time of the opening of the crossfire hurricane, the FBI had no information in its holdings indicating that at any time... During the process, there was anything. According to the 306-page Durham report, the Obama FBI tried and failed to obtain a FISA warrant to spy on George Papadopoulos. Durham concluded the Steele dossier was a complete joke and that the FBI failed to corroborate any of its key claims. Our investigating determined that the Crossfire Hurricane investigators did not and could not corroborate anything. Um, yeah, the investigation was to see if there was collusion. It was started after Trump campaign officials had secret meetings with Russia agents. The FBI would have been derelict to not investigate. This was pushed from the Hillary campaign. They pushed it through a Democrat administration who then investigated the opponent. And then when he still won, They continue to investigate and ruin all of his presidency for four fucking years, knowing the media knew, the FBI knew, CIA knew, it was all a lie, but they did it anyway. Our investigation determined the Crossfire Hurricane investigator did not and could not corroborate any of the substantial allegations contained in Steele reporting, nor was Steele able to produce corroboration for any of the reporting allegation, even after being offered $1 million or more by the FBI for such corroboration. Further, when interviewed by FBI in January 2017, Donchenko also was unable to corroborate any of the substantive allegations in the report. Rather, Danchenko characterized the information he provided to Steele as a rumor and speculation. Casual Conversations. According to Durham report, the plan by Hillary Clinton to create a false story linking Donald Trump to Russia was briefed in August of 2016 by CIA Director John Brennan to President Obama, VP Biden, Lynch, and Director Comey. U.S. intelligence agencies obtained insight in the Russian intelligence analysis, alleging that the U.S. presidential candidate, Hillary Clinton, had approved a campaign plan to stir up a scandal against U.S. presidential candidate Donald Trump by tying him to Putin and the Russians, hacking of the Democratic National Committee. The IC does not know the accuracy of this allegation or the extent to which the Russian intelligence analysis may reflect exaggerated or fabrication. According to his handwritten notes, CIA Director Brennan subsequently briefed President Obama and other senior national security officials, on their intelligence, including an alleged approval by Hillary Clinton on Jan- July 26, 2016, of a proposal from one of her foreign policy advisors to vilify Trump by stirring up a scandal claiming interference with Russian security services. Before addressing the U.S. government receipt and handling in the Clinton pan intelligence, we reiterate below the description of the intelligence as declassified by DNI in September 2020 to Chairman Graham. In late 2016, U.S. intelligence agencies obtained Insight, blah, 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 and right As described here in the classified appendix, U.S. officials described the Clinton plan intelligence in various other ways in their official notes and documents. As described more fully in classified appendix, there was specific indication and additional facts that heightened the potential relevancy of the intelligence to the office inquiry. On August 3rd, 2016, Within days of receiving the Clinton plan, Intelligent Director Brennan met with the President, Vice President, and other senior administration officials, including, but not limited to, Attorney General, the FBI Director, White House Situation Room, to discuss Russian election interference efforts. According to the Brennan handwritten notes, in his recollection of the meeting, he briefed on irrelevant, intelligent, known to date on Russian election interference, including the Clinton plan intelligence. Specifically, Director Brennan declassified the handwritten notes, reflecting that he briefed the meeting's participants regarding the alleged approval by Hillary Clinton on 26 July of a proposal for one of her campaign advisors to vilify Donald Trump by stirring up a scandal. The office was unable to determine precisely when the FBI first obtained any of the details of the Clinton Pan intelligence. It appears, however, that this occurred no later than August 22, 2016. On that date, an FBI cyber analyst headquarters analysis to email the number of FBI employees included Supervisory Intelligence Analysis Brian Oten and Section Chief Maffa, the most senior intelligence analyst of the Crossfire Hurricane team, to, to provide an update on Russia. And our media ran with it. So a campaign colluded with a sitting president which colluded with the CIA which colluded with the FBI and the DOJ to ruin a Republican's chances of an election. And we're all called un-American because we say 2020 was fishy. 81 million votes, 80 voting loss changes. That's a, that's a conspiracy theory. They're still jerking off over Pulitzers based on lies that they knew to be lies because the media was part of it. AP, a special prosecutor, has ended his four-year investigation of possible FBI misconducting the probe of ties between Russia and Donald Trump. 2016 campaign. The report fell short of Trump's prediction he would uncover the crime of the century. AP can't even report the facts without sashaying around the truth ad nauseum. If you would read just this headline you would have no inkling that Russia Probe was a complete and utter hoax. Tapper was then pilloried by Potato Boy's buddy True Souls just sent a push alert, alerting everyone to Tapper's misleading commentary. Great work, everyone. Credit to Tapper for being adult about it, unlike those on MSDNC. Oh, we're going to see it in a second. Matt in Oregon sent us this this morning, and this is pretty much the proof in the pudding. I was so disgusted by the January 6th riot that I deleted my Twitter account. I wrote introspective pieces on wanting to be part of the solution, and I never liked Trump, and I thought Biden beat him. The Durham report is a 1,000 times worse than January 6th. It didn't even reveal a handful of nuts getting out of hand and stealing an electurn. It revealed our highest law enforcement agency tried to undo an election on zero evidence. It didn't disrupt a formal nomination process for three hours, it's disrupted a presidency for three years. If you are a Democrat, you should feel far worse about this Russia-Trump investigation than you do about J6. You should be far angrier. You should be far more concerned about democracy. We have done this, using the, oh that's not it, I'm sorry, I fucked up. (laughs) They're doing this, which we covered last month, using DHS to spot extremists. They're using DEI. This is the New York Times. Why some companies are saying diversity and belonging instead of diversity and equity. It's a fake science. The change in terminology reflects new thinking among some consultants who say traditional DEI strategies haven't worked out as planned. It's a business model to make money. Here's Jonathan Turley. Do we have a de facto state media? The coverage of the recent disclosure of $10 million in payments to Biden family members notably fits the past standards used to denounce Russian propaganda patterns and practices. Despite showing nine Biden family members allegedly receiving funds from corrupt figures in Romania, China, and other countries, the New Republic quickly ran a story headline Republicans finally admit that they have no incriminating evidence on Joe Biden. We showed five or six others last podcast under the current approach to journalism. It is the New York times that receives Pulitzer's for a now debunked Russian collusion story rather than the New York post for proving that the laptop story is true. Everything is lies. This is Waukesha that we don't even cover. Duren was one of six people killed after a red SUV spent in the Orkeesian Christmas Parade that Sunday afternoon. More than 60 people were injured, 18 of whom were children. The city of Waukesha confirmed the names of the other. While weighing in on the threat of domestic terrorism in the United States, Garland clearly made a distinction between right-wing extremists and FAR. I certainly agree that we're facing more dangerous periods than we did in Oklahoma City at the time. Though curfews are lifting and protests remain predominantly peaceful, the death toll has from two weeks demonstrated over the death of George Floyd continued to creep upwards, with at least nineteen people, a majority of whom are black, now dead. None of this appeared a hint at what he would do next. On Friday afternoon, law enforcement officials, Mr. Green drove a dark blue Nissan sedan in nearby Virginia, the United States Capitol, and plowed into police officer. The suspect in the death of the Capitol police officer described himself as Facebook as a follower of Nation of Islam. The lone attacker killed more police than J six rioters. This case, people, police are dismissing Waukesha suspect's radical BLM views. Subway shooting lies, all lies. So, how do you think they covered? This revelation, if you guessed, they said it was another nothing burger,
10: you'd be right. Instead, Durham found that the bureau relied on raw, unanalyzed and uncorroborated intelligence, noting that there was significant reliance on investigative leads provided or funded, directly or indirectly, by Trump's political opponents. An example, the so-called Steele dossier of allegations prepared by former British spy Christopher Steele. Durham found the FBI was unable to corroborate a single substantive allegation from the dossier. But Trump's own comments about Russia in the campaign added to questions about possible collusion. Russia, if you're listening, I hope you're able to find the 30,000 emails that are missing. But Durham's investigation, which cost taxpayers $6.5 million, falls far short of proving there was a deep state conspiracy against Trump. The special counsel brought no charges against any senior intelligence or law enforcement officials. And the two major cases he did pursue both ended in acquittals. Durham only convicted one lower-level FBI official of misconduct in pursuing an electronic surveillance warrant.
11: Tonight, in his long-awaited report, the special counsel looking into the origins of the Trump-Russia investigation, blasting the FBI's performance as seriously deficient. John Durham concluding the bureau was too quick to open an investigation into the Trump campaign in 2016 based on raw and uncorroborated information, while saying the FBI was much more cautious and skeptical about allegations against the Clinton campaign. Durham's report follows this 2019 report by the Justice Department's Inspector General, which found that the FBI made mistakes. So
12: you were on the Mueller probe. I mean, what was it like to know that for four years, another one-time peer, and we should say Mr. Durham was at one time respected and regarded he came in and did some important work following uh, the Bush years on the regarding to Jason to the war on terror policies what what was it like to have your probe investigated for four years
13: so we were very aware as I'm sure Pete Strzok and people at the bureau before us were very aware that there was going to be an investigation of us and you know what our view of that was fine you know what, if you know what you're doing is done in good faith and you're, obviously you could make mistakes, but if you, view was like, fine. If somebody wants to come in and second guess what we're doing and look to make sure we did something, that's fine. What's unbelievable about John Durham is he brought um, two cases that he lost, He seemed to say it was okay to bring a case, even though it was really thin and not really provable, as long as you have some other story. This was Bill Barr's argument, which was, oh, that's fine, because he was telling a more important story. That's not what criminal cases are for. Um, So there was just this real lack of substance to what he was doing. And when you have the IG already doing an investigation, talk about, like, a total you know you want to talk about a, a witch hunt or sort of real wasted resources you know there are a lot of things to investigate there are a lot of things that can be useful in government um, if John Durham was really just doing an investigation to talk about what are better policies and practices that the
4: and so Ken, the uh, Senate Intelligence Committee uh, also launched its own investigation the chairman at the time Mark Warner came out with a statement yesterday said we looked through all of this we spent years looking at it millions of documents at the end of the day I know it's It's a big question and it's a lot to comb through. What is the general feeling about the way the Mueller investigation, the way the investigation into possible collusion or at least corruption between Donald Trump's campaign and Russia during the 2016 campaign? What was there? Is there a there there?
11: Well, I, there, there's what's there and there's what sort of intel officials, uh, you know, s- think as they go to sleep at night what might be there. But what's provable, what, what Mueller found and what the, that Senate report that you mentioned um, really expanded on was that there was a number, dozens and dozens of contacts between Trump campaign officials and Russians. That the Senate, the bipartisan Senate report said, posed a counterintelligence threat to the United States. That Senate report essentially said the Trump campaign left itself wide open to manipulation by a Russian regi- regime that was interfering in the election and that was trying to help Trump win. And and that what's remarkable about that, that was a bipartisan report. Uh, Republicans signed on to that. Now they're all trashing the FBI, and it's not just the pro-Trump. Uh, side of the party. It's everybody. It's all Republicans uh, that, that I've seen, you know, criticizing the FBI here. But, but what that report found was that they were more than justified. They they had to have looked into this because it was a threat to the United States. There was a foreign government was trying to manipulate the election. It was trying to help one side win. And that, now when you go sort of into the realm of what Mueller couldn't prove, but what some intelligence officials suspect, they st- they just put the the dots together, which is that here you had... You know, a Trump campaign that was open to Russian assistance, was hoping that the Russians would use those Hillary Clinton emails to the Trump campaign's advantage, a series of, of suspicious meetings between Trump campaign officials and, and Russians, uh, and then, you know, uh, a campaign manager, Paul Manafort, who was meeting with a Russian, a person we now know is a Russian intelligence asset. So a lot of smoke there, and they never were able to prove that there was any a formal arrangement between Donald Trump and the Russians, and then meanwhile you had Donald Trump saying really nice things about Vladimir Putin and publicly asking the Russians to find Hillary Clinton's emails. So, you know, yeah, what no. that what that all adds up to is you know up for anyone to decide, I guess. Well, and, and Jonathan
14: Amir, Republicans, it's crazy. I, I it's it's really sad to see uh, political amnesia overtake an entire party. These are the same Republicans that that doodly. I went along with it when the Republican Senate Intel Committee issued a report saying everybody listen, because this is what Marco Rubio's Senate Intel committee stated the Republicans that Donald Trump's 2016 presidential campaign caused a direct counterintelligence threat to the United States. Of America let me say it again
0: Marco Rubio and the Senate Intel Committee concluded I think what the guy was trying to do was to try to show up Ken (laughs) Starr I don't think he quite made it and if anybody watched the Trump's town hall last week he was slobbering all over Russia he was telling you right there he's gonna do whatever Mm. Russia wants him to do and, and david is, is is of course correct that there's all kind of interference in the 2016 election and you know durham is a is a kind of pathetic character i, I think federal prosecutors have like a 97 percent conviction rate
2: yeah
0: he was old for 2. he got a plea for a parking ticket that's it four years i don't know how many millions of dollars
5: how many millions of dollars they spent over a hundred million dollars on the Mueller investigation that proved there was no collusion. But the media carried as inconclusive. They carried on the J6 committee for two fucking years to win a midterm. A.G. Lynch met Bill Clinton, they cooked up this plan, in June, I watched it live on TV, roll out Russia, Russia, Russia. They destroyed a presidency for four years. They illegally wiretapped a political adversary, ruined Michael Flynn, ruined fucking Carter Page, ruined all these people's lives, arrested, jailed. They ran an investigation, $50 million that found nothing, but they still never admitted it was nothing. So they went into two impeachments that were also things that Biden has done. Obama's caught on record, well, after election, I'll have to do whatever the fuck I want with Russia. Biden has outright said, I got a fucking lawyer fired so my son could get some more money, which leads to a laptop the media won't even cover. Neither with the DOJ or the FBI or the IRS that just dropped their investigation into him. Adam Schiff went for fucking three years. The walls are closing in. I have information. He never produced anything. So some clowns do a riot for three hours. We've spent over $100 million chasing them all down. We've put them in little cells all over the country so we can facilitate our white supremacy extremism, the greatest threat to democracy. And all along, the greatest threat to democracy is progressivism. Because it's clearly obvious the DOJ, the FBI, the CIA, none of them are objective. We have on record that the Biden family crime family shit is all true. The bank records are true. They met with Vice President Biden who had documents that his son got his hands on to living in the same house where it was next to the Camaro or the Corvette or whatever the fuck he talks about. The greatest threat to democracy is progressivism. Because they believe that they are the only arbiters of democracy, freedom, and speech. They have done a whole campaign on misinformation, silencing people. In 2020, people lost their accounts. They lost their businesses. They lost everything. They threw people in fucking jail for comments. Investigated them. But yeah, J6 was bad. It looks like the J6 rioters were the people that were actually right. Maybe that's what's going to take. Maybe there needs to be civil unrest from non-progs to break the system back into center. What they did in 2016 is worse than any Watergate, any Clinton vagina cigars. It is the worst thing that's ever been done. The greatest president ever, scandal-free Obama, knew Clinton's had nothing. It was all bullshit. But they went with it anyway. The fucking CIA briefed it. And it was all a lie. And now, with the border complete invasion, Biden crime family actually getting in the news. We're we're back to racist roads and shit.
8: Secretary Buttigieg has appeared where you're standing now and discussed how federal funds will be used to um, redesign urban areas that are assessed to uh, contain uh, infrastructure that was racist in its original design and its original uh, execution. Are you collaborating with him on that effort? Are any of the
0: infrastructure funds you're talking about being used for that purpose? Well, as you know, equity is really important to the President of the United States for the very simple reason that he thinks that unless we go forward together, it's hard to go forward at all. That's the first thing to remember. this administration believes that diversity is a great strength not a weakness and that if we're going to do all of this stuff it's not just a matter of justice it's a matter of numbers as well that's the first the second part of it is this there are in fact highways waterways uh roadways if you ask anybody in the african-american community or in communities of color where do you live they will often say i live on the other side of and it's usually a railroad track or water or a highway that's split historic neighborhoods there is in fact four billion dollars both in the Infrastructure Law and the Inflation Reduction Act to fund a program that's called Reconnecting Communities. I was actually in Fort Lauderdale the other day looking at some of the damage from the flood that they had and the mayor was showing me a railroad track that had separated two areas. Now, they have an option. They could run a highway across it or they can build uh, a tunnel underneath it to reconnect the neighborhoods. This administration thinks that historically uh, underrepresented neighborhoods that have been split apart, families split apart, businesses split apart, they can be reconnected.
5: Really, that's what we're talking about. Because right now, 6.5 million illegal immigrants have come across the southern border. And the President of the United States laughs about it.
15: Things
2: are going at the border, sir. Much better than than you all expected. (laughs) Do you have any plans to visit the border? No, I think, (laughs) pardon me?
15: Do you have any plans to visit the border?
2: Not in the near term, no. No, just be disruptive not anything else
5: and so is the media because they're part of the campaign despite warnings about potential surge of migrants that sent thousands of federal personnel to the southern u.s border officials said the days after the expiration of title 42 saw fewer migrants arriving at the border than any initial time they literally had the balls this weekend to blame Republicans for the largest invasion our country's ever had since the war of fucking 1812.
7: I understand what you're saying about the preparation for this moment, but politically, other than introducing a bill on day one, he never talked about it. He didn't lean his shoulder in. Build Back Better was the focus. Everything else was the focus. And look, the Republicans have dirtier hands on immigration. I mean, I said... But the Democrats don't have clean hands on this either.
14: Republicans have had multiple opportunities to come to the table and pass immigration reform that would fix the problem at the border. And my belief is that while you have a small group of Republicans who legitimately want to engage, the majority of that party delights at chaos at the border. You saw some of my colleagues on Tuesday, as soon as votes were done, rush down to the border to take smiling photographs with the Border Patrol, uh, essentially celebrating the fact that there was chaos because they believe that there's political gain to be had. So I think Americans know that it's Republicans, not Democrats, that have been sitting on the outside when it comes to fixing.
3: Well, you're also, of course, getting hit from the other side, uh, those that are saying that you're being too harsh on the border, requiring that uh, migrants seek asylum in, in, in a third country first, uh, the, the, this, these penalties for those who cross illegally. Um, the ACLU is suing Uh, uh, to challenge that, and I want to read what one of the lead lawyers for the ACU said. The Biden administration's new ban places vulnerable asylum seekers in grave danger and violates U.S. asylum laws. We've been down this road before with Trump. The asylum bans were cruel and illegal then, and nothing has changed now. So they're saying that this is effectively
4: Trump policy. Absolutely incorrect. Disagree with every aspect of that statement. This is not an asylum ban. We have a humanitarian obligation, as well as a matter of security, to cut the ruthless smugglers out. That is, that is a responsibility uh, of government. And we are doing that. And but it is one, not... And, it, John, it is not a ban at all. Well, uh, in,
3: it, in one critical sense, it, it, it is the same as the Trump policy, Absolutely right? not.
4: Well, well, the Trump policy
3: was that you, you had to first apply for asylum uh, in, 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 a thir- in, in another country. Uh, if you were coming from, from south of Mexico. That's exactly what you're doing.
4: No, that is, that is not, Explain. actually. Yes. So, first of all, President Biden has led the greatest expansion of lawful pathways ever. What the, our rule provides is that an individual must access those lawful pathways that we have made available to them. If they have not, then they must have uh, sought relief in one of the countries through which they have traveled and been denied and if they haven't done either it's not a ban on asylum but they have a higher threshold of proof that they have to meet that is a presumption of ineligibility that can be overcome it is not a ban
5: yeah okay per multiple BPP sources, Border Patrol agent San Diego Sector arrested an Afghan national on the FBI terror watch list after he crossed illegal with a group of migrants in Ote Mesa, California on Wednesday. I'm told the FBI confirmed the match and his lead investigation. Biden's open borders aren't just a gateway to 5 million illegals wrecking human and child trafficking in the deadliest drug crisis in our history. Biden's reckless policy is also an open invitation to even the most wanted terrorists in the world to come to America. They know they'll never have to leave the nation knows what's going on and this president has only begun to be held accountable for what he has done that's number 17 they're giving him free phones and telling him come back in 2027 2027 largest invasion ever and of all people to be sane here's chris cuomo
14: Hey, I'm Chris Cuomo. It is Monday. We're live and we're here on the border in El Paso, Texas. Uh, This is one of the famous or infamous gates uh, where we've seen scenes of people pouring through uh, all of the hordes of migrants that have become such a frightful image on our televisions and our computer screens all over. Uh, We saw what it was. The director will show you what kinds of groups and crowds we had seen that was making everybody so worried about what will happen when Title 42, the emergency measure that the Trump administration executed to allow people during COVID to be restricted from here for not being vaccinated, not being able to show whether or not they'd had coronavirus, and then it was going to end and what would happen. And we saw all of these massive things, and you heard all the politics about how there was going to be an invasion, and now there's literally almost no one here. And for you, the absence of people should be more frightening than seeing the big groups. Because when you see big groups, that means you know where migrants are, migrants whose identities they don't know, whose criminal backgrounds they don't know, whose intentions they don't know. So when they're not here, the question becomes obvious, where are they? We're hearing the numbers, 10,000 a day, 10,000 a day, and those are very scary numbers, and I'll put them into context for you, we've never seen anything like it. But what we're not hearing is, well, what did they do with them? Are they... Are they all in custody? That can't be true because they don't have the capacity. So the answer becomes more and more likely to be that they've been quickly processed, given court dates in many cases, not all, and then sent out into the country. So they're not here, but the question is, are they somewhere near where you live? And not to create a boogeyman where we just released monsters into your midst, but it is the unknown that can carry danger. And if you look at our drone footage from today in Brownsville, which is another hot spot here where people are waiting, you'll see encampments of people waiting and watching. Why? Because there's strategy here. Okay, people have plans. Many are very often they pay cartel um, oriented and cartel affiliated coyotes and fixers and smugglers who are making strategic decisions, who on the Mexican side are often working with officials to figure out when should they come. What's going to happen? So the media made a big mistake taking a pass on this because we don't have the spectacle of massive crowds, okay? Because the absence should be more frightening because we need to know the answer of where they are. And it really is an indication of how broken this system is. And you have to remember, we do this to ourselves, okay? This border is not secure because that's the way the people in power prefer it. Right and left are wholly unreasonable on this issue. The right couldn't wait for the hordes to come through. And then when they didn't, we have our president laughing. Ha, ha, ha. It's not as bad as you expected. Really, with record numbers being processed and released into America, it's no laughing matter, but if it is a joke, the joke is on us because the people in power are allowing this to continue. They know CBP is overwhelmed. Here's how we know that they know. Okay? In 2019, the man in charge of protecting us in this situation was Secretary Jay Johnson. Remember him? During the Obama administration. Here's what he had to say about what frightened him in terms of overwhelming the system.
10: My staff will tell you if it was. under 1,000 apprehensions the day before, that was a relatively good number. And if it was above 1,000, it was a relatively bad number and I was gonna be in a bad mood the whole day. I know that 1,000 overwhelms the system. I cannot begin to imagine what 4,000 a day looks like. So we are truly in a crisis.
14: So it was a crisis at 1,000 looking at 4,000. But it's not a crisis now, why? Because language matters. And this is about politics of fear, and resisting politics of fear. That's why I can't get ride-alongs with CBP. And I can't get the access to them I usually get when I'm covering the border. Why? Because the administration doesn't want too many images of what the reality is here. Because they're trying to control the perception as much as the reality. But if in 2019, the idea of one, ooh, that's overwhelming, 4,000, oh, I couldn't imagine it. They've been doing 10,000 a day here with the same setup. So what does that tell you? Of course, it's a crisis. Of course, it can be fixed. But it is so demonstrably true that this problem works better for politicians than any solution. It works better for Senator Ted Cruz to show up in Brownville and say, this is a travesty, it's gonna be even worse, and then take off. It works better for the left to say, look, it wasn't so bad. Look how nice it is behind Cuomo. What else do you want? They're gone. Yeah, but where are they? And what about the next batch that are waiting that we just show, showed you in Brownsville? It's not about creating a boogeyman. It's not about who these people are, it's step to the extent that you can identify their intentions and their identities, it's how they come across. And everybody knows that that's the problem. Now, tonight I wanna focus on the part of the story that you never get to hear about, okay? The migrants, we know their pain and you have them coming from new places and we have babies making babies along the way and you'll see them tonight. And it is heartbreaking, there's no question. And these people need help, and they came to America looking for it. And we hear about the Border Patrol being overwhelmed, and how we need rule changes, and they need different resources, and we need physical barriers, technological protection, and of course, manpower, processing speed, all the things they've said a million times. But you know who's caught in the middle, who you never hear about? The people living in the communities along this border, okay? They get hit in ways you can't imagine. Literally running through their backyard, okay? Running through their backyard, running over their roofs, breaking into their homes because desperate people do desperate things. Breaking into their cars, violence, stores. Who's helping them? The local communities are overwhelmed. Oh, they just don't like these people because they're brown and Latino. The people in many of these communities are brown and Latino. One, maybe two generations, removed from immigration into this country. This isn't about prejudice, it's about protection. And I want you to meet one of them right now because this is a story that we just never get to. The migrants, you gotta care about them. The police, CBP, you gotta care about them. But the people who live with the problem, they get it worst. They get the least attention and the least focus. I want you to meet Dolores, okay? Her family, the Chacon family, has a history here three generations deep in the same home. And I want you to hear from her about what it's been like living with wave of wave of broken promises and mass migration.
16: I had no fear.
14: Because what were you afraid of? What was always happening?
16: I had men in my backyard. I had a sensor. I couldn't leave my home. They would cut the fence, the chain-link fence, Slither through. We were inside looking at them. We were unprotected women.
14: Did any of them ever show an intention to hurt or to steal or to do violence?
16: Yeah, they broke into my, into my room. I was taking my daughter to school and I had just locked my front door and then she came running to me because this is where we park our car. She goes, "Mom, mom, mom." And I said, "What?" She goes, "There's men under the car." And I said, "Where?" And I saw the feet, their legs sticking out. And I I was like I had just like my-
5: Yeah, I played 8 minutes of Chris Cuomo being sane. What does that say about us? What does it say? They are so part of campaigns, they're not covering anything that can hurt the administration because they just want to reelect them. Just reelect the same fucking people who clearly aren't being held accountable for anything, nothing. It's, it's kind of hard to wrap my head around all the crazy that's going on. You got the crime, you got 2016 stealing, 2020 rigging, now we got a Marine. Listen to these comments about a Marine. It was a rainbow coalition holding this guy with fucking 50 fucking indictments. I think it's
15: because he's attached himself like a parasite to every single culture manufactured, culture war issue he can, and people, particularly Floridians, see through it. It's really kind of like an old shtick now. Drag queens, Mickey Mouse, AP black history courses. I mean, it's just crazy. Right. He's in the business of otherizing people. Um, But I will say, what scares me about Ron DeSantis is that he offers trumpism without trump so those people that are so repelled by donald trump and there are many uh, people um, won't be as repelled by him i think and those manufactured culture issues seem to be very effective uh... with that base that particular base and and part of the Republican Party as well definitely the right-wing part but I I think that he can be effective and let's remember this is he's a lawyer he's Harvard and Yale trained and educated he's not a stupid man so he is really leaning into Trumpism knowing what the base Wants and that that scares me. I mean, he actually tweeted out about um, the you know the, the 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 young man that was uh, killed on the subway with a chokehold by a former marine. He actually Jordan Neely. Um, he actually is fundraising for his defense and he's made two million dollars already for killing a young black man and you have ron desantis who's a lawyer who says he is actually not of um, he's a, not a vigilante that he's you know he's this great guy when in new york it's just a reckless killing and he was reckless in doing that so for a lawyer to say what what we're hearing ron desantis just tells me how dangerous he is well and everyone
6: is entitled to a legal defense though i think he's he's and i've been clear on what i think of jordan neely according to juan who recorded the altercation, 30-year-old Jordan Neely boarded a subway on May 1st in Lower Manhattan and began shouting. And then the, yes, the situation escalated when Penny, a former Marine, put Neely in a chokehold for what Vasquez says was nearly 15 minutes. Neely was later pronounced dead at the hospital, and his death was ruled a homicide. The video of the incident quickly circulated on social media, prompting days of protests and debates on the mistreatment of homeless New Yorkers. Daniel Penny surrendered yesterday and is currently released on a hundred thousand dollar bond. He's expected back in court on July 17th. Joining me now is Cynthia Alksney, MSNBC legal analyst and former federal prosecutor. Good morning, Cynthia. It's always good to see you. Um, Let's start with Jordan Neely and his... um, his tragic murder, his family pushing for Daniel Penny to be charged with murder. Why do you think D.A. Alvin Bragg went with second-degree manslaughter instead of murder? And can a grand jury actually return an indictment for a more serious charge?
17: Yeah, the state of New York, uh, the people of New York have six months from the time of the arrest uh, until the grand jury makes a final decision. But I have to say, I think this is probably the right charge. You know, the murder one is the murder one really has an intent to kill and i don't think they're going to be able to prove that you went in with an you know you went with an intent to kill or even during the choke hold. um a man one which is a voluntary manslaughter would be he intended to cause serious physical injury and then it ended up causing death the second degree manslaughter is seems to fit the bill it's a reckless homicide his behavior was reckless um, the chokehold created a very uh, serious, unjustifiable risk um, of, of uh, death, that he disregarded the risk. And his behavior, the third element for the prosecutors, is that it grossly deviated from how a reasonable person would act in similar si- situation. That does seem to fit the bill. I will tell you that having tried cases in new york i mean i know it's been a while but i've tried cases in new york and i'm not going to be surprised if this isn't a hung jury when it comes down to it in the end my guess is the guy does not plead it's a it's a there's a minimum on this it's up to 15 years a class c felony but there is a there is a minimum and uh my guess is from the from the way his lawyer sounded he doesn't plead and he rolls his dice with the jury and i would bet it hangs we have to be real about what happens in jury cases. I mean, any conviction has to be unanimous. It will be beyond a reasonable doubt. There'll be 12 New Yorkers. And I think we need to prepare our viewers and Americans that to me, somebody who's tried cases, you've tried cases, I'd love to know your opinion too. To me, it is very plausible that at least one person on a jury will say, you know what the guy was scary subways are scary he was talking nonsense and this marine who was served honorably in our country was just trying to help us and hold on to him until the police could get there i don't agree with it i think it's properly charged i think he should be convicted but i think we need to be honest with people about what is very could easily happen in the courtroom
6: in this instance though how important do you think the jury selection process is going to have
17: to be so well, I think it's very... Law. Yeah, I mean, I think it's the ballgame. I, I, I think you're right to focus on the jury selection. And right now, we just don't know how the future will affect jury selection. But I agree, it's the ballgame in this case.
6: And I think, Cynthia, that's why you saw Daniel Penny's legal team release a statement before he was even arrested or charged with a crime. This
5: is what they're doing. They're kicking... For the border, because I want to, I want to put this on, you know, Fang accused Daniel Parent murder, and Jordan Neely, yeah, Hostin, dangerous DeSantis Randy. They've raised two million dollars for this vet, but they kicked vets out so they could put their people in. Of course, Mehdi Hassan. There we go. This is what white privilege looks like. The irrelevant former job title, the passive voice, black and brown alleged killers. Don't get media coverage like this. The whole world showed him that he's a fucking liar, but the irrever- irrelevant job title. Really? That's, that's what we're going to go with. Okay. Yeah, that, that's, that's nice. That's nice. Before we go into our clothes, we're going to do some lighter fare. What did I have? Oh, this is some funny-ass shit. Not even going to set it up. Enjoy.
13: Davis. Thank you. Just hold on one second. Let me pull this up. My name is Jordan. My pronouns are she, her, they, them. And I think the triple C needs to start meeting in person again. And I support items 10 through 14, especially transgender bill of rights and Veritas tenants. But I'm here to, mainly here to say fuck your West side Family Democratic Club. Not only is the word family a common dog whistle on the right, but this is basically going to be a dark money hug box where Dan White wanted to be Joel and Guardio, who, by the way, <laughs> makes me ashamed to be both Italian and LGBTQ. Fuck these reactionaries who want to turn the West Side and the city as a whole into a bland ass gated community where black, brown, transgender, poor people and disabled people are brutally policed and marginalized students don't have rights. Is this what you want in the Democratic Party? I yield my time. Fuck you. Next up is Brandy Markman.
6: You're on mute.
16: Good evening. My name is Brandy Markman. I'm a D1 parent. I've lived in the Richmond district for 18 years. I'm calling in to oppose the motion to grant a charter to the Westside Family Democratic Club. The club had for their kickoff event, Joel and Guardio as their speaker. The homepage of the DCCC's website says Black Lives Matter. As a public school parent, I can tell you that Jill and has, Gardio has repeatedly used and continues to use anti Blackness to whip up racist, racist reactionary voters on the West Side. As someone who attends school board meetings, I have repeatedly seen black school children and their parents being disrespected and gaslit when they have requested that our schools not be named after white slaveholders and other racists, that racist artwork be removed from their schools, and that the district stopped using an illegal and elitist and racist admissions process that has the intended effect of screening out children with moderate to severe learning disabilities from low high school, which is in effect a form of school segregation. Um, this is live and well sadly in the west side of San Francisco in the year 2023. Many of you know and have felt the rise in fascism and anti black racism in the United States and in San Francisco. I am concerned that this club is a part of this and do not want to see the San Francisco Democratic Party rubber smit their charter application unless they can prove otherwise. I grew up in deep red Southwest Iowa. I know a Republican when I see one, and I am tired of San Franciscans who have Republican values supporting school board recalls, um, which were cheered on by Mike Pence and Mitch McConnell calling themselves Democrats because this is the only way they can have political power. This is disrespectful to our Democratic Party and to our values. Please reject this charter application. Thank you.
13: Thank you for your comments. Next is Christine Pelosi.
5: Took us straight into woke, but did you see a vulgar activist? Says the word family is a common dog whistle on the right. And one claimed it's racist and fascist organization that's secretly a Republican group, which makes you understand why you get this one. For many queer people, Mother's Day is just a, not just a celebration of mothers, but of, of mothers. The artists, mentors, and cultural icons Shut the fuck up cnn advantages of being raised by a single mother outweigh expectations Outlast childhood embarrassment dads are bad we have a new word for white does wikipedia not call people white anymore or some shit not sure i remember eminem spending much time talking about his european heritage The film which contained the, 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 Eminem and his attempts to launch a career in hip-hop. The title is derived from Eight Mile Road, the highway between the predominantly African-American city of Detroit and the largely European-American. That, that's nice. Yeah. Okay. Fun times. Anyone else feel this way? Vote Blue to say democracy. When I see a flag on a house, my mind doesn't go to Patriot, but to right-wing nationalists. They will always try to redefine patriotism. We had this during Bush. Remember, the highest form of patriotism was hating your country and disparaging the president. Now, disparaging the president makes you a white Christian nationalist under Obama, made you fucking racist. So, we can't have a show without gay shit. So here's some interviews of when you should start transing draggy kids from drag. And NPR sound by getting heat for putting transgender activism on children via learning toolkit. Because, yeah, why not? Let's trans a kid.
13: Has it ever in the history of anywhere of all of time been too early to start drag?
1: I don't think so. Drag is dress up. We've been playing dress up since we were born, right? We all do it. We've been doing it for our whole lives. It's never too early.
13: Is it ever really too young to start drag? I don't think so. We're all like prescribed these like gender roles, these like sexualities. Like, you know, we're, we're kind of prescribed it in the beginning. Um, but that might not fit all people. Has it ever been too early to start drag? No. Never been too early? No. When you start, you start. Has it ever in the history of history been too early to start drag? Absolutely not. Is it ever really too early to start drag?
10: Never. Aimed specifically at young people. There's new data underscoring the mental health and psychological challenges LGBT youth are trying to cope with. The Trevor Project, which works to end suicide among lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender youth, surveyed more than 28,000 LGBT people aged 13 to 24. 41% of them said they had seriously considered suicide in the previous 12 months. 56% said that in the past year, they wanted mental health care but couldn't get it. And nearly two out of three said that hearing people talk about proposed laws banning discussion of LGBT people in school made their mental health much worse. We spoke with LGBT young people around the country to hear their perspectives.
16: My name is Ava Smith. I'm 18. My pronouns are she, her, and I live in Texas.
13: My name is Javier Gomez. My pronouns are he, him, his. Um, I'm 19 years old, and I am based in Miami, Florida.
17: My name is Orion Boone. I am
15: 17, and I live in Florida. My pronouns are he, they
13: I'm Aiden Tarek, Um, I'm
15: 15 years old. I am a bisexual teenager uh, living in southern rural Illinois. I see these attacks, I see these language used by legislators, and it makes me very scared. I...
5: Yeah, we pay for that, it's sad. And the hospital was telling staff that people could change gender based on their mood. One mandatory training which offered as recently as January included Primer on Z, her pronouns. This is the Children National. By 22, Children National is requiring staff to use a patient-preferred pronoun. No question asked. Even as European medical authorities were backing away from it. Because, yeah, why not? Let's just go all the fuck crazy. And this is old, but it resurfaced. It looked like Miller Lite said to fucking Bud Light, hold my beer.
1: Here's a little known fact. Women were among the very first to brew beer ever. From Mesopotamia to the Middle Ages to Colonial America, women were the ones doing the brewing. Centuries later, how did the industry pay homage to the founding mothers of beer? They put us in bikinis. Wow. Look at this Wild! It's time beer made it up to women. So today, Miller Lite is on a mission to clean up not just their shit, but the whole beer industry's shit. Miller Lite has been scouring the internet for all this shit and buying it back so that they can turn it into good shit for women brewers. Literally, good s***.
12: How, you ask? Ladies, take it away. First, we turn the bad s***
17: into compost. Then we feed compost to worms, s*** out beautiful fertilizer. That good helps farmers grow quality hops,
12: which is then donated to women brewers to make their own really good. Shit. But there's definitely more out there
1: in your attic, in the garage, in your parents' basement. Send any shit you got into Miller Lite, and they'll turn that into good shit too. Oh, so here's to women, because without us, there would be no beer.
5: We, we just must crush all of that. It needs to be crushed completely. Justin, Texas has taken a major step towards banning transgender minors from getting puberty blockers and hormone therapy. Care that medical groups say is vital to their mental health. And another NPR where we're doing the Leaving Florida. A whole write-up on this family. But I want you to look at this picture because I meant to grab this and I didn't grab it. Is it about the kid or is it about the parents? You tell me. Which brings us to our This Is America, and for the third consecutive show, it is the left, a.k.a. the media, trying to take down SCOTUS. This is America.
10: Don't catch you slipping though. Don't catch you slipping though. Look what I'm whipping up. This is America. Don't catch you slipping up. Don't catch you slipping though. Look what I'm
13: whipping up. This is America.
12: There have been a number of, I think it's fair to say, eye-popping revelations about the Supreme Court uh, and members of the Supreme Court and uh, questionable ethical decision-making in recent weeks. Planned Parenthood for the first time is calling for structural and ethical reforms to the courts in the country. Um, I may have answered my own question there, but why now? I think, you know, we have... have really been, I think, particularly with the attack on abortion rights, been very clear that these are these are attack on our democratic rights and our democratic freedoms. You know, and I think um, oftentimes we engage in that around kind of the same states that have abortion right bans are also ones that have, you know, voting rights bans and, you know, connecting the dots there about how we are living in this space. Um, But the reality is the court now has been fully captured in so many areas. The fact that you have, again, this lone Texas judge that can now Bring cases, you can form shop there, bring cases to the Fifth Circuit, which is also conservative and up to the Supreme Court now, which has a conservative supermajority. Find a court you want to hear your case. Exactly. And that is a way to circumvent. The way in which you know, kind of, popularly elected um, opinions um, uh, decisions are made, and so we think it's incredibly important now to both name the fact that we need to see expanded courts from you know the lower courts all the way up to the Supreme Court. We need to see term limits. Uh, we need to see ethical you know reforms, um, raising very questions about the fact that these, these people with lifetime appointments. Um, that are very much out of step with where the majority of people are on a variety of issues means that, you know, the, the legitimacy is, in fact, in question. And so I think it's really important to, um, to call for structural reforms, because that is what actually sustains progress. it um, be one thing to call for, you know, a justice to step down for whatever reason. Um, but the reality is uh, that the, this, the way in which the system has been captured requires us to engage in, in structural reform in a different way.
18: Last summer, the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade with the Dobbs decision, and that was just the opening act for the assault on our fundamental rights and freedoms. There are almost a dozen cases the Supreme Court will decide starting this month. The court will weigh in on two cases brought by the organization Students for Fair Admissions. And these cases may seem like the Supreme Court justices will only decide if race should be a factor in college admissions. But this court has a habit of overreaching so these two cases could actually append affirmative action across the board if the supreme court decides that race conscious decision making and policies are unconstitutional then everything from special government contracts and programs for minority owned businesses to targeted corporate recruitment at hbcus would all be in jeopardy medical institutions they would need to figure out how to recruit a diverse workforce without incurring liability lawmakers they could argue that specialized disciplines like African-American or Latin American history are race-conscious and therefore illegal. How about another case, the Moore versus. Harper case out of North Carolina? The Supreme Court will decide whether the North Carolina legislature has unrestricted powers to set the rules for federal elections, including drawing congressional maps. And, and that just surface. If the court rules in favor of North Carolina's Republican-led legislature, it would mean all state legislatures in America are the final answer on federal election laws. So goodbye to fighting partisan gerrymandering in state and federal court or a gubernatorial veto. The NAACP Legal Defense Fund or Mark Elias, they won't win any more voter suppression cases because they won't even be allowed to sue. Sayonara to mail-in ballots if the state legislature thinks they're unnecessary. Does your state constitution have language about elections? Oh, well, the state legislature won't give a you-know-what because they will be in charge. The justices will also decide whether or not business owners who don't want to make wedding websites for same-sex couples are protected by the First Amendment. Now, if the Supreme Court rules in favor of the business owner in this case, whom no one even asked to make a website, by the way, companies could use the ruling to legally deny service to anyone not just members of the LGBTQ plus community, so that they care you like. It could assert their First Amendment right to not take Jewish families or black children. A locally owned restaurant could put restrictions on who they allow inside. Given the track record of this court, y'all, this is not hyperbole. Dr. Maya Angelou said when people show you who they are, believe them the first time. We have seen the damage that this conservative Supreme Court majority can do. So brace yourselves, folks. The decisions are coming.
5: The first soundbite was, of course, PPFA on good old inside Psaki bullshit. So I want to read my tweet, which has had uh, 16 views because everybody dropped it like a bad habit. Libs talk about NRA money, yet we're almost bankrupt in 2020 and donate $10 million a cycle to the GOP. Contrast that with PPFA, which donates $50 to $70 million to DEMS only each cycle. The 2022 report came out. I was looking for it, it just came out last week because they released it very late. PPA is given $670 million. Last year of federal funds. And between the pill, 554,000 chemical abortions, thus the freakout over the pill and that FDA ruling, and 374 procedures performed. That's 918,000 abortions a year. That's what PPFA does. In their big manual, like we used to do back in the day, education programs, 309,000, training programs, 24,000, community outreach, 232,000, education video views, 2.4, 1 million sessions, 154,000 conversations, 204,000 other conversations. 200 million visits to Planned Parenthood org on the website. 770,000 people receive sexual and reproductive health services. 12,000 advocates, and that's how they do the numbers to show it's a very, very small amount, they say, all right, that get abortions, even though they're the largest abortion mill. In America but this slide which I'm going to make big and I'm going to put it over my face because this is what the media is going to carry this is how they carry it this is how they do it 49% is STIs 26 is contraception Other, 12%, cancer, abortion services, 4% of contraception. Oral pill, the largest. Other, long-acting methods, program only, combined hormone ring, combined hormone patches. This is all how they cook the numbers to say they didn't kill 918,000 children majority black then we get into the numbers and I cover this because the media is not going to but this is what you need to know because you paid for it STIs three million six hundred. HIV 712 Gentle warts 16,000 reversible contraception 1.6 million emergency contraceptive kits that's the 543,046 abortion pills nowhere in here they have miscarriage services that's 2600 that they do dci's on and then over on the top you have your abortion procedures family practice, adoption. None of this is women's care, baby care. And then we get to the money shot And the last slide I'll do because the rest is just more fancy analytics to make it look like they're for women, but they're not. They're for killing babies. That's their deal, man. That's what they're down with. This is all in millions. One billion six hundred and forty million dollars in assets. At the bottom, when it's done, their net asset is two point seven four five billion dollars. That's how much money they bring in and what they're worth. What does that say? That says there is no fucking way any fucking federal dollars should go to this fucking abortion mill. Because that's what it is. That's what it's about. But as we started, when you're dealing with the federal government in its largesse that works just for one political party and you rigged the 2016 election, it didn't work. So you ruined the presidency of a person you didn't like. 2020, folks. If they went through all that in 2016, do you believe the $81 million? Do you believe it took five days to count? Do you believe that the five swing districts needed to stop counting because of water breaks? You should believe now because... Everybody's been saying it, but it's not a reputable source that WAPO admitted that $500 million in Zuck bucks were spent inside Dem districts and they ran fucking polling station, which is against the fucking law. Now, I want you to think they're lying about the border. They're lying about the Biden crime family and they're ignoring the fact that he's done all sorts of illegal shit. What will they do to stay in power? What will they do in 2024? What are they doing right now? Well, they're still rigging the algorithms. You can't find anything on Google. They're censoring on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. Hell, Twitter just hired a fucking lefty from NBC University. She's fucking all into DEI, HRC, the whole nine yards. Gay Agenda. They're calling everything that is negative news for them disinformation, and they are the biggest propagators of disinformation in the world right now. Even Cuomo believes it about the border. What will they do in 2024 to steal the election? It's clearly obvious after the Durham report, coupled with the Mueller report, they will do anything. And it's not they, as in the Democrats. It's the media. It's the CIA. It's the FBI. It's the DHS. And it starts with the propaganda of the greatest threat to American democracy is white supremacy, white Christian nationalists, uber, super duper, pooper, scooper, mega. The greatest threat to democracy is progressivism, because progressivism believes they are democracy. They believe all the lies that they tell is information, and everything that's a fact that's counter to their lies is disinformation or misinformation. Remember when you start thinking about who you're going to vote for, no Republican is saying everything is disinformation. You need to vote for me to save democracy. They're not even censoring shit. Truth social, you could say I eat my own dick. It goes up. Remember the people that say the other side are fascist are actually the fascists. That's probably the first thing that is the tell on all of this. They are the fascists? They have lied since 2016, which should make you think was 2012 on the up and up. They cooked the IRS, lied about Benghazi. What else? 2008. We already know the media combined together in a chat room and said they were going to call everybody, including HRC, racist so Obama could win because he was their dream, a black president who's very articulate. Racist motherfuckers. Who would say that? I've met all sorts of articulate black people. Most of them are very articulate. Why would you even say that? They disputed the 2004 And we know it all started in 2000 when the Supreme Court got involved. What are they and will they do to hold power? Because right now that cabal is showing they will lie and they will treat everybody who's opposed to their worldview as a domestic terrorist and even elicit the DHS to do so. Something to ponder. And that wraps up another episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Share with your family and friends. Go to FOP. Now let's fucked it up. Flyover Politic with a K on SoundCloud. Rumble 482 467. Send me an email at FOPPodcast at gmail.com. We'll go with our next show on 20 May year of our lord 2023 until then disconnect from all devices don't give the yag yeah, yes. thank you matt in oregon for your input on this and talking to me at four o'clock in the morning because he's working nights and i hope this keeps you up tomorrow night and as always thanks for listening take care